Back in June, Bill's Cafe in Naples, Florida was about to close at the end of the day due to COVID when an anonymous donor dropped off two blank envelopes full of cash. One was for Bill Sully, the owner, and the other was for his employees. It was generous and it was helpful, but it still wasn't enough, so the cafe was still going to close. That donor called back the next week and said, hey, Bill, how would you feel about making 100 sandwiches a day for the hospital across the street from your shop? Bill immediately said, I'm in. And now, several months later and $40,000 later, hundreds of people have been blessed at that hospital. Bill and his employees have been blessed. That donor was blessed. I think this is on a small scale what God wants to do in us and through us. He wants to see this kind of generosity, this kind of faith replicated. There's so many good things that God would do if we would just be open to it. And that's the key about this Daring Faith campaign that we're beginning. Daring Faith, the key to miracles, is all about inviting God to work in us and to work through us to do extraordinary things. And we desperately need that in times like this. We're going to look at a miracle that Jesus performed. It's maybe the most famous miracle where he fed thousands of people with just a little bit of food. It's about a little boy who was willing to share what he had with God, and God made so much of that. And that's the kind of thing that we would like to see in our lives today as well. If you want to go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Mark, that's where we're going to be at, and we're going to look at this. I want to point out something as you're looking for Mark's Gospel. Feel free to use the table of contents or your Bible app. So when Jesus performed miracles, it was never to show off. It wasn't in any way to draw attention to himself to say, hey, look what I can do. Whenever he did a miracle, it was always for a purpose. He underscored truth. He underscored his identity. He was trying to point people to God. And here's something interesting about this miracle that we're looking at. It's the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about it. That means it's important. There's something here that we need to get a hold of. It also says God's underlining this and bolding this. He's saying, here's something you need to know about my nature, my generosity, the kind of things I'd like to do in your life. So if you go over to Mark chapter 6, we'll start following along. Look at verse 31. It set the scene here. It says, Jesus said to his apostles, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And the people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and they got there ahead of them. So Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. Uh, Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And Jesus ended up teaching all day. One thing you need to know about Jesus, he was probably the best teacher who's ever existed in human history. And people hung on his every word. He just taught with such authority. And they, they listened to him all day on what should have been Jesus' day off. It was starting to get towards the end of the day. The sun's going down low and the disciples realized, we got a problem here. There are thousands of people here, and there's nothing to eat. We're like 25 miles from the nearest McDonald's, or I guess in Israel it would be McDavid's. There's no QT kitchens anywhere. We've got to figure this out. You go down to verse 35. Late in the afternoon, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Wow. What's going on here? Jesus is about to perform a miracle, but in the process, he wants to teach his disciples something about reality, about life, what God is going to do. Uh, he's about to perform this miracle that people here, we're, what, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. 
I anticipate the same thing for us as we in, go into this Daring Faith campaign. This is a time that's been prayed over by our leadership. This is a time that we've anticipated. We're fully open to God doing in our lives and in our church and in our community miraculous things. We need him to do that. I've seen this happen before, and I fully anticipate this is going to be one of those times. And I think some of you have been through things like this before, and you know what's to come. Some of you are newer to this, and you're still trying to figure out what this all means. You're going to see some amazing things, just like people 2,000 years ago did. What we're looking at here, and what I want to pull out of this true story that's recorded here, is how do we put ourselves on a pathway to a miracle like they were about to experience? The first thing that I think we need to grasp is how important it is to just acknowledge when you've got an unsolvable problem, just admit it. I've got something that I can't deal with that I can't do anything about. I'll go ahead and state the obvious. If you have a problem in your life that is solvable, you don't need a miracle. You know, that just makes sense, right? If, if it's something that maybe you can't figure out, but you've got a friend who can figure it out with you, or you can pay a professional to do it, this doesn't call for the miraculous. So back when COVID hit, a lot of my races got canceled. As a result, I, um, I stopped running as much as I should have been. I started eating a lot of ice cream and sitting on the couch. I put on some weight. I'm not as healthy as I need to be. Now, if I were to go to God in prayer and say, God, I need a miracle. I need you to get me healthy. I need a miracle. I need to lose some weight. God would just look at me and go, no, you need to quit going to Silky so much. You need to get on a better diet and exercise regime, Brian. You know what to do here. You don't need a miracle. And I wonder if sometimes we go to God and say, I need a miracle. And he said, well, maybe right now you do, but there's things that you did to get into this financial situation or this mess you're in. And there's things that you can do to get yourself out of it. Do those things. But there are times where we do literally find ourselves in a place where there's nothing humanly possible to fix it. And those are those times when we need to admit we need help. Now, what we end up doing a lot of times when we come up against an unsolvable problem is exactly what the disciples did. They, uh, you know, you look at it, as Rick Warren points out, they did three things. They worried about what they were going to do. They blamed other people. And they procrastinated. Like you see the disciples, they've been watching Jesus teach these people all day. But when do they go to Jesus and say, hey, we got to figure out how we're going to feed them? They wait until the sun's setting. There's literally been all day to worry about this, but they wait until, you know, they put it off. I don't know if you do that or not. I'm a horrible procrastinator. It's part of my personality type. I'm a perfectionist. And if I can't do something exactly right the first time, I tend to wait until I think I've got it all lined up. So that's one of my flaws. Maybe you are a procrastinator too. In my experience, what I found is things don't get better over time, which is the temptation though. You think, well, maybe it'll resolve itself. Maybe it'll work itself out. Maybe I'll figure something out later. My experience has been procrastination only makes big problems bigger. So I don't know if you do that. You've been putting off a hard conversation. You've been putting off a visit to the doctor. You've been putting off dealing with the reality of your financial situation. Whatever it is, it's not going to get better until you admit, I can't do this. I also, when I saw the disciples going to Jesus, they they were really blaming the people. Like, Lord, it's not our fault they followed us here. We were supposed to have a nice day off and on the lake, and they it, they should have thought ahead. So you just send them out, tell them to go find their own food, just send them away. And we pass the buck so many times too. It's not my fault that this thing isn't working out. You know, we do that. And then I don't know about you, but I also spend a lot of time worrying. You know, just the anxiety maybe is eating you up. 
sometimes it feels like you're doing something when like you think maybe I'm putting a lot of mental energy into this and I'll find a solution. But worry and anxiety will eat your lunch and they really won't solve anything. So, and then here's the irony of this. If you go back to Mark 6, when the disciples are complaining and passing the buck and worrying, who are they talking to? They are literally talking to God in human form. Who can, nothing is impossible for God. And they're saying all these things like, what are we going to do? We can't feed these people. How in the world would we get enough food to feed thousands of people? It would cost so much money. And you're talking to the person who can make things happen like that. You're worrying right in front of God. How many times do you do that? Instead of going to God and turning your worry into a prayer, you just stew about it. And I love what Jesus does here. He says to the disciples, don't send them away. You feed them. Has God ever asked you to do something impossible? He's done that to me several times. And I get scared every single time. Like, I I know you're God, but do you know who I am? Do you know what you're asking me to do? I can't do this. I think God enjoys putting people that he loves in these situations. Because what happens? When you find yourself in a situation that you don't know what to do, and you know that God has either put you there or allowed you to end up there, it's an opportunity for you to stretch your faith. I think what God really wants to teach you in those moments is to trust him. To take your problem that you can't solve and give it to him and see what together you could do. It's in moments like those where you do grow and you mature. And if you've ever experienced a time like that, you know I'm telling you the truth. And the next time you come into a situation like that, it should bring you a sense of excitement to think, This may be an opportunity where God's going to allow me to have a front row seat to something amazing because it's something that only he could do. At the end of it, I'm going to have such an awesome story. So that's the first thing about, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you need a miracle, just admit it. I'm going to need some help from God. And then that that takes me to the second thing that happened here. If you want a miracle, you need to give God what little you do have. Maybe you can't solve the whole thing, but do you have anything that you can contribute? I go back to Mark 6, verse 38. So Jesus says to the disciples, all right, well, how much bread do you have? Go find out. And they came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Why did Jesus tell them to go find out how much food they had? Again, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about God. He could have literally made bread and food fall from heaven. Again, it comes back to, I think God wants to have partnership with us. When he says, how much do you have? It's an invitation for you not to just sit back passively and let God do everything for you. It's an invitation for you to have a hand in the miracle. Say, I don't have much, but God, here's what I've got. And I'm going to need you to make up the difference, but I'm going to have some skin in the game here. I don't know what this would look like for you, but as you're maybe thinking about the miracle you need in your life, maybe it is in your finances and say, God... I really don't have much at all. And God says, well, just give me what you got. And you're going to be surprised at what we can do with that. You might feel like God wants you to use your life to serve him in some way here in the church, in the community. And you say, well, I'm not very talented. Well, why don't you just give God the talent you have? Give him permission to use your talent in a way that maybe you would never have imagined before. God, my reputation isn't much. My time isn't much. Well, If you don't have a whole lot of time, are you willing to give God the time that you do have? Are you even willing to let him readjust your priorities? So it's simple. God wants you to have a hand in the miracle he's going to do. It comes down to the willingness of yourself to give over what you do have. So in this situation, it was somebody saying, I've got this. I know with thousands of people, this little two fish, five loaves of bread is a drop in the ocean, but you're you're welcome to have that. Now, 
John's gospel brings something out. It's just an interesting little detail. That little lunch belonged to a little boy. 5,000 people at an event. Is it really possible that only one little kid had food that day? Or, maybe this is my cynicism coming to the surface, are there a whole lot of other people out there who had maybe a little bit themselves that just kept it hidden under their robe? Like, I'm not giving up my food. Like, they should have thought to bring their own. There's this little boy. He brought his lunch. He was willing to share it. And uh, he was willing to put it in God's hands. And as a result, he's going to have this incredible story to tell. Now, John 6, 6 also tells us another interesting detail in this account. When the disciples said, what are we going to do? Jesus says, how much do you have? Jesus said to Philip, where can we buy enough bread for all these people? Philip's one of the apostles. And here's the interesting little tidbit. Jesus was poking the bear here a little bit. He was testing Philip and the other apostles because John tells us Jesus had in mind already what he was going to do before he ever asked them. This is amazing. When God asks you to do something impossible, he already has in mind what he's going to do. When God gives you a situation where you can't handle it, when God sees you going into a a situation you don't know what to do with, God already has a solution many times before you even know that you have a problem. He likes to put you in those situations or allow you to get there because then you get to see him at work. So this is the, the first steps towards a miracle. And then we're going to see how God took that little bit and did so much with it. So if you go down to verse 38, so he says, how much bread you got? Come back and tell me. Verse 39, Jesus told the disciples, have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of 50 and 100 on these little clumps of grass. There's not going to be any stampeding at the buffet. There's not going to be any fighting over the waffle iron at the hotel. There's going to be decency and order here as God does this miracle, as Jesus does this feeding. So you go down to verse 41. Watch what Jesus does. This is the miracle. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. And a total of 5,000 men, not even counting their families, were fed from those loaves. Here's what I want you to see. When you give God what little bit you have, you can expect God to multiply that when you give it to him. I give God whatever I do have. I trust him to solve the unsolvable. And that's when we get to see God do something extraordinary like what happened here. Something else about me, you already know this if you've known me for a while. If you don't, I'm like a Labrador retriever. I am very food focused. This story makes me so happy. Not only did that little boy get to eat He gave his lunch away, but I love it that everyone in that crowd got so much to eat that they were stuffed. I love it that there were leftovers, 12 baskets full of leftovers. I love it that Jesus thinks it's important that we don't waste. He told the guys, get baskets and collect it all up. I just uh, think this is fantastic. I don't know. Then I think to myself, who got to take the leftovers home? I don't know for sure. Maybe the disciples each took a basket. Maybe that little boy got to go home with 12 baskets full of food. Can you imagine him showing up with his, you know, filet of fishes or whatever it was that was left over? And his mom's like, where did you get all this food? And he says, you're not going to believe me, mom. Like, there's this miracle. And she's right. You're, you're right. I don't believe you. You go to your room. Wait till your father gets home. And you tell him this wild story of, you know, whatever. I think this is an amazing thing that what has happened here, that this little boy was willing to give up his lunch, maybe even thinking, I'm not going to get it back. 
And yet everybody got fed because of his willingness to do that. Everybody got blessed. He got a lifetime story. I have lost track of how many times in my life I've tried to be generous to God. I've even taken a huge risk. My family has just done something outsized for us. And we were blessed more in exchange than we ever could have imagined. It's like somebody said, I've got this shovel and I'm trying to be generous and God's just got a bigger shovel putting things back to my, in my life. And what God is trying to teach us is this is how I've structured the universe. Generosity begets generosity. When you give, you get more back. The problem with the world is when we get selfish and we hoard and we hold on to it and we get fearful and we think that there's just a limited quantity and if I, if I give it away, then I won't have it. And what then happens is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Lord loves generosity. He is generous. He's generous to his children. And the problem isn't that God can't. The problem is that we won't. The problem is that we just get stuck on what we can do and we don't factor in what God could do if we would just trust him. And here's another thing you need to know. God enjoys doing miracles through people. He doesn't need us to do miraculous things, but he loves to see what, what we can do when we trust him. He loves to see us stretch. He loves to see us take those little things that we have and partner with him. It's how we grow up. It's how we mature. I'll tell you this too. I'm so excited for the Daring Faith campaign because God doesn't just want to do a miracle for you. He wants to do a miracle through you. He wants you to have a front row seat to see this. It happened that day on the lake. This little boy gave his lunch to Jesus and saw great things happen. And he has a story that he could tell. And you're going to get to meet him someday. If you are a Christian and you're going to be part of eternal life, you can imagine maybe him telling you about what it was like that day. Maybe then I hope you'll have a story to tell him in return of how you gave a little bit to God and God multiplied it in ways you would never have imagined. And you'll have a story to tell. Jeff Mozingo, who's the campaign chairman for Daring Faith, has been telling us all the last several weeks that when we committed to doing Daring Faith, we're looking at the, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and we're going to call on people to trust God and, and Daring Faith and do great things? Absolutely. What a better time than a time where things seem so hard to say, God, we need you and we trust you. And this is the time when what God does is going to shine all the brighter. We desperately need to do this because we desperately need God. Our city needs God. Our culture needs God. Back when the pandemic hit in March, all the way through May and June, Google searches spiked for prayer. Is prayer real? Is God real? And this one breaks my heart. Am I going to hell? And this has been a sustained, you can't get a higher than 100 on a Google search. Like it, everyone wanted to know what in the world is going on and how can I find God? We have the answer to that. We know that God can be trusted, that God is good, that he is offering good news, that yes, things are broken here. Things are awful here, but things can be better for you at the same time. People all around us are asking serious questions, and they're hungry. And God is saying, connection, I want you to be part of the solution. Are you willing to give what little you have and watch God multiply it? I know I can't do this. I can't give people hope and purpose and meaning in life. I can't transform you. But Jesus can do all those things. That's why I'm so happy to be able to share that with you and with everyone who will listen every week. And this is the amazing thing about connection 
And I have to remind myself of this every time I get intimidated about the next step that we're going to take with God. There have been so many times in our church family where we have come together and with faith in God and with hearts of generosity and with love for the people around us who we've not even met yet, we were willing to generously do things and commit our time and give our money to reach people. And some of you who are watching this, some of you who are experiencing connection, you are literally here because people who came before you were willing to sacrifice, were willing to serve, were willing to give of their time and their talents and their money to make it possible that there would be an online service, that there would be a building, that there would be a location, that there would be staff and pastors and people who would care about you and help you learn about Jesus. This is literally why we're here. And now it's time for all of us again to trust God and move forward. It's time to, get, to come together in great faith and watch the Lord do amazing things. What better time than a time when things are at their worst to say, this is when God did the most extraordinary things. This is going to be a story that you're going to look back on with pride to tell that you were a part of it. I don't know if you're maybe just watching this and you're taking your first steps of faith and trust towards Jesus. Or if you've been doing this a long time and this is like your 50th, it's still difficult, but God can still be trusted. And so many of you, you know, you can tell a story. You can tell stories of what God has done. Here's what I also know. I've watched every campaign, every time we've taken to, uh, purpose together as a church and committed to doing some great things. Some people have just chosen to take that as an exit ramp out of the church for a while. And they missed out. They just literally missed out on what God could have done and should have done through their lives because they were just unwilling, whether it be because they were discouraged or they were cynical, or they just weren't ready, they were fearful, uh, selfish, whatever the reason, I don't want you to miss out on this chance to see God work in you and through you. And understand for some of you, this is a very hard time. And we're here for you, and we love you, and we care about you, and we're going to take care of each other. But I want you to know this, and you stick around here, because we're going to show like everyone can give something. Everyone can do something. We'll show you how. Everyone can bring something to God and watch him multiply it. Everyone can come to God and receive a miracle. I want you to experience that. Let's get ready for a miracle connection. Let me pray for you. God, we desperately need you. We need you to multiply the things that we have in our lives. We need you to solve the problems that are unsolvable. We together, as a church, we trust you. We're looking for you to, to shine a light on things that we would never see on our own so that we can say, this is the next step I should take in obedience to you. Jesus, we're thankful for the love you have for us. You have compassion for us when we have problems, even the problems that are of our own making. You have a solution. You're never puzzled by what to do next. So we come to you and we seek your wisdom and we do seek your help. Father, in every way, I pray that you would comfort those who are hurting right now, that they would know that you are real, that you care for them, that you offer good news of salvation and hope. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.